Welcome to episode 25 of This Old Deck. This is a community submitted episode from Twister Jacob titled The Spirit of OS. I've listened to zero seconds of this, so here we go. Produced for This Old Deck and in association with Desert Twister Radio, I'm Jacob Stanikov. It must have been 1994. The halcyon drift of lazy summer days. An unstructured tide of late-night video games that ebbed forgivingly into the blue glow of so many mornings. Time faded weeks into small things and stretched days into epics guided only by the vicissitudes of our youth. In a busy temporal landscape dotted by camps, sports practice, the occasional fort, and trips to the mall, there was also a surreal indolence that came from absorbing too much of the world at once. Now, in the warm distance of adulthood, I feel compelled to fondness by what seems like a perfect equilibrium of structure and lack thereof. It's a childhood that seems misleadingly clearer with each recollection. But there are some invariant memories that have conspicuously endured. I remember one sun-streaked afternoon in particular, lying in front of bay windows, and I can clearly see the field of tall grass that should have been mowed, gently swaying just above the windowsill. There were a few of us, flanked by empty booster wrappers, trying to figure out what the cards could mean. It seemed that the snake on psychic venom should be able to attack. And what did controlling a creature mean? If control magic's art obviously depicted a monk wizard having some sort of magic epiphany. Confusion eventually broke way to hour-long games where walls ruled the land and air. Briefly, monocolored decks were all we built until we wondered if there was a rule against playing more than one color. Oh, and Tundra was just a bad island because it always died to flash fire. It was a time of discovery for us, and perhaps for so many others that fondly remember those early years. But there is a vast expanse that separates those games of simple creatures and half-understood rules to the meta of the present. Like horses giving way to cars, there is a relentless efficiency to modernity that lacks soul. No amount of wistful back pressure can imbue the patterns we now know and see in each new set with the ambiguity and unknown that defined our early experiences. Spoiler in hand, we no longer wonder what red creature card completes the cycle of five CMC flyers in the limited editions, for there simply isn't one. The idea of a solved format never crossed our minds. We just wanted to play with whatever fragments of the game we had. I can sum it up in one word because I played when I was in middle school, 1994 
through 1996 around that time. So our main sets were 4th Edition, Ice Age, Alliances, Homelands, that era, and just built any kind of random decks. Um, we played 1v1 multiplayer. Um, we played, you know, in parks, uh, classrooms, um, on sidewalks sometimes if there was no other place. So to me, it's nostalgia playing old cards. That's what old school is. Hello, I'm JJ Liao. I'm a Desert Twister, and I joined in 2020. So I'm going on my third year coming up for old school magic. So when I was a kid, I bought an InQuest magazine and uh, their featured deck in there was the White Weenie deck. So balance was the main card. So it was like the deck ran four balances, but I didn't care about that card balance because it's, it's like a symmetrical effect. It doesn't feel like you're winning when you play it unless you know somehow you're really behind or something. So it wasn't that, like the deck was based around balance, four copies before it was restricted or, or banned. And um, my favorite card from that deck was Preacher. So to this day, Preacher's my favorite old school uh, creature. And yeah, I, I feel like that's, when I, whenever someone asks me what's my favorite magic card, I say, well, my favorite creature is Preacher with our original art from Quinton Hoover. My name's Justin Watte, W-A-T-T-E. I'm an Arizona Desert Twister, and I started playing Magic in 95, and then I quit around 99, I think, when, uh, when they started with the tournament stuff. And they told me all my old cards were illegal. I enjoy playing a lot of jank, and so a lot of the times I will find a card that I want, I just want to play it. It's not necessarily a good card, um, but I, I want to play it and I'll build a deck around it and I'll uh, start playing it. And you know, the deck nine times out of 10 just gets dominated. And so when that happens, the opponent generally, you know, has some constructive criticism for, for me. And, and more often than not, the one car that I put in there to build the deck around is one that they tell me to remove. And it's just kind of upsetting, you know? It's just like, bro, I want to play this, you know? Like, I don't need to have the most optimized deck that there can be, you know? I want to build a deck with these subpar cars because a they never get used you know and b sometimes it's fun to just throw something out there that nobody's expecting you know and like avoid fate uh i won a game against jj with an avoid fate he tried to he tried to control magic one of my creatures and i avoid faded it and he was just like what is that you know like he didn't even know the card existed and and, uh, and it was just so satisfying, you know, to avoid fate like that. A green counterspell, what? And then to, then to come in for lethal the next turn, you know. So, so yeah, I, 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 you know, I get where they're coming from. But, yeah, not everything needs to be optimized, you know. It, it, it's, it's fun to play with these cards that are 
that didn't see use and it just reminds me of how games were back in the day because not everybody had all the cards they needed you know that was hard to do um and sometimes like in my town it wasn't even a matter of uh of money necessarily it was just that they weren't in the town you know um the card store didn't sell singles so you were buying packs and when they were sold out of packs that was it and unless you knew somebody who got some of them you know you weren't ever finding them cards so so yeah you you really had to make work and have fun with the cards that you actually had and i think that limitation is something that's missing nowadays you know with with magic i think that took some of the magic out of magic you know is um that discovery of new things that you had never seen before and and then you know using them in a way that 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 you've never seen used before you know you know what, what do we got out tonight oh we got four earn em, get em decks we got two mono black we got one the deck you know and it's everybody knows exactly what to expect and I like to be the guy where I don't know what the fuck he's playing, something weird, you know? It's uh, it's this janky brew that I did, you know? Or or I might take an idea, like my Leprechaun Ward deck, you know? I may take that that, that kind of strategy, but then add extra stuff to it, you know? And, and uh, make it, you know, more my own, you know? Um, so... You know, people may know what the deck is about, but they may not necessarily know every card that's in it, you know. My old school favorite uh, non-creature spell would probably be Hurricane. And that's because I've won so many games with it when I was younger. And to me, it's a really good card. Like, I've actually thought about wanting to get a blue Hurricane, but the price was always out of reach. So, to me, like, that's my holy grail for misprints, <laughs> would be, like, the blue Hurricane. One of our Desert Twister uh, members, Mohammed, kind of reintroduced me to the concept of misprints, and he brought a binder to an event one day, and then ever since then I said, wait a second, you know, I." You know, I like misprints, let me go look for some. My name is Mohammed. I'm currently 22 years old and I'm from the country of Kuwait. And I have been playing old school since February of 2020. So when I got into collecting magic, I uh, stumbled upon a lot of YouTube videos on misprints and I got obsessed and over the years I've happily accumulated a large collection of misprints and I'm happy to still have my binder and my favorite old school misprint isn't so much a misprint but it is an oddity and it's actually a playtest card from Eppelson which was the first playtest set from Richard Garfield to include dual lands and I have a basilisk playtest card and I got that from Joel Mick who was one of Magic's first playtesters. So in most event or in all events I should say that we host we have a table or a booth of sorts that has a bunch of sharpies on it and a bunch of cards 
And the objective of this is to make sure that every single participant in our event, whether they played the game or not, signs the cards. And the reason we do this is so that we can look back at all of the events we've accumulated through the year, we've had through the years, and have that set in someone's binder to me is what old school is really all about. So I actually saw a post on the Mispin group from the Desert Twisters and they had announced that they were having an event for the GP that was taking place in Phoenix at the time and I thought that it would be a lot of fun and I remember reaching out to Justin and asking him if it was okay for me to attend because at the time I was underage and he said it was perfectly fine because old school is not so much about the age it's just about the game. I think what appealed to me the most was everyone was interacting and Justin did such a great job of explaining how old school worked and how mana burn was still a thing and I remember asking him during our game if I would have to lose life because of mana burn because I had a soul ring in one of my decks and I didn't use the two mana, I only used one of the two mana so that was my first experience with mana burn and it was a lot of fun and I think it was probably my favorite decision to make as a magic player was getting into old school and play old school. I have a I have a sheriff name badge from that uh, Twister Joseph and his girlfriend Kia gave me on the tr at the train tournament and it's you know it's like Sheriff Justin or something it was it's like an actual metal you know badge that they bought it was pretty cool but yeah I, I we we started the Twisters in in what twenty May May of twenty nineteen I think it was the end of May twenty nineteen actually. Uh, I started playing Magic in the summer of 19... I believe it was the summer of 1994. I would have to confirm Kelly's birthday. Um, but my friend Kelly McDonald from the University Child Development School in Seattle had her birthday... We were in the fourth grade, so whatever, however old you are in the fourth grade. She had her birthday party at a pizza hut in Seattle... And there was a bunch of us kids there at the Pizza Hut doing our thing. And there was a table full of, like, you know, 20-somethings. This was back when Pizza Hut was, like, dope. Like, like it was like a sit-down joint. Like, you, you went there to, like, have beer and pizza and hang out. It wasn't, like, just delivery. And uh, these older dudes were there playing Magic. And all of us fourth graders kind of kept eyeballing these guys. And... Eventually, they came over and they they collectively had had assembled a a forty card deck of cards for for Kelly, and gave them to her as like a birthday present, and and then subsequently gave every kid that was there at the at the birthday party a single magic card, and you know we were all as you might imagine like real stoked and very curious what this what this game was what this was, and within like a week. You know, we were like at back at school and, and, you know, kids were playing on the playground and playing. There was like a set of stairs that went from the playground up to the main school. And I just remember kids like playing on that big wood flight of stairs. And uh, I asked my mom, my dad was definitely not the guy to go to for, for anything like this. So I went to my mom and asked her if she would 
you know, buy me some of these cards. And we ended up at, uh, uh, at a mall. I grew up in Seattle. We ended up at this mall, Northgate mall in Seattle. And on the outside of the mall, there was like a, a bookshop, you know, like a, I don't even remember the name of the bookstore, but I just remember there was like this kind of like new and used bookstore on the outside of the mall. And they had starter decks of magic. And my mom bought me a starter deck, revised starter deck. And, and, uh, for Christmas that year, she bought me a revised booster box and my cousin and I tore into that thing like wild hell cats. And, um, you know, I, we built decks and played all night long and that was sort of how it, how it began. Chris Fielding. I started playing Magic um, summer of 1994. It's just before my uh, senior year. My brother um, was really big into Dungeons and Dragons, so he uh, was into it. And so I started playing during Revised and The Dark and um, <clears throat> just really had a good time. I love dual lands for, you know, obvious reasons. And I had, um, my brother and I would buy revised by the box, um, especially once the dark was kind of out of print, you know, in those days, the sets didn't really come out all that quickly, <clears throat> not like today. And, uh, so in the, the downtime, we were just buying, uh, boxes of revised. I think it was like $65. We had a shop that we bought through. And uh, so we just tell them basically every payday, my brother and I were buying like two boxes a piece. And uh, yeah, all my uh, round table pizza money was going towards magic. And uh, I had about, I think I had about 70 dual lands at one point. And when uh, type two came out, I thought, man, there's these dual lands are going to be worthless. So I uh, pretty much got rid of my collection at that point. Um, hmm. so I have uh, my current like old school old school deck is just a mono red kind of a burn deck what I, I love about it is it's got gauntlets in there it's got three gauntlets and um, two uh, candelabras and it's it's not the, the best deck it has problems um, going up against pretty much anything it's probably a little underpowered but I just love um, the Edwin Afrits that I have. I think that's an underutilized card. It's a 3-6 for 3 red, and um, you flip a coin for it to block, but you can attack with it regardless. So it's the opposite of the um, the Mijay Jin, because that's a 6-3 that you have to flip a coin to attack. So it's basically, yeah, it's a 3 casting cost, 3-6. Uh, that you can attack with. So it's really hard to get rid of. You can't bolt it and um, comes out turn three. Yeah, you don't see them all the time. So um, so I just threw a bunch of stuff in that deck. So that's, um, I just have fun playing the cards that I, I like, I guess. Not necessarily that they're good. It probably could use more bolts and stuff like that. But. 
read an article in like Wired or Gizmodo um, that Richard Garfield was involved in the, the set design for Dominaria. They just happened to have to be this article and they showcased like, like Icy Manipulator and Juggernaut and like these cards that I remembered from a kid um, that were going to be in the set. And I was like, oh shit, I know, I know these cards. This is cool. And I asked Kira if she had any interest in playing Magic the Gathering. And she was, <laughs> I think she was, I mean, she, she obviously, she wasn't like surprised at, at, you know, she knew I had played Magic as a kid, but she was surprised that I had like an interest in it, you know, contemporaneously. And uh, she was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll learn, I'll play. So we, we went and found a game store in, we were up in Washington at the time, found this game shop in Renton. I think we were in Renton. And I, they gave me some of those like free, like learn to play magic decks that Wizards hands out. And I took those and like taught her how to play at the kitchen table. And then we went back when Dominaria was released and I taught her how to draft. And so we drafted Dominaria and then like, the whole time I like I had this box of, of old cards that my cousin had given back to me. And I kept like looking through this box and like trying to figure out ways to play the cards. Like, you know, I had like Birds of Paradise and Brain Geyser and Wheel of Fortune. And I was like, fuck, what do I do with these old cards? And, you know, I guess like so many of these people that I've talked to about this shit, like they just typed in old school magic into Google and I don't know, like, it's, it's kind of interesting how that, how we all just went to that term, you know, like old school, we just were like, I wonder if there's any old school magic, click, click, click. And I came across Magnus's blog, like so many other people and realized that there was like this whole underground community that was going on this sort of player derived format. And, um, I found the Reddit, I found the old school Reddit. And I got on there, I, like I joined Reddit, I didn't even use Reddit, and I joined Reddit, and I posted on the old school Reddit, and I was like, you know, hey, I'm in Arizona, are there any magic players that play old magic cards here? And it was actually Joseph, it was Twister Joseph, who was the first person to respond, and he was like, yeah, there's actually a handful of us that play, there's no, we don't have any like cohesion, but you know, we play at this, you know, these different game stores from time to time, and and I just, I, in all my research, I was like, I was like, you know, I think I'm, I think the thing to do is just like start a club. <laughs> like, I think we should just, I think we should just like have a club in Arizona. Do I have to introduce myself first, Joseph? Um, that's, that's me. <laughs> the legacy scene kind of hit a critical mass and modern got invented and there were a lot of a lot of different ways to play competitive magic and i personally i kind of got burnt out of it and was like oh, i think i'm kind of done playing for tournaments every week and all that um and there were a couple of other guys in the community that were kind of in that same you know i i had always been trying to push vintage as a format to try to get people to play with old cards so we had you know a couple of guys would show up at like the weekly fnm and we'd be, you know between rounds we'd play vintage or something like that Power Artifact and Basalt Monolith generate infinite mana, right? You know the combo. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, so I'm looking at the card pool of like, all right, what can I what can I do to mess up that? And that's, I came across Titania's song. And I'm like, this is going to be great. 
because I don't know if he's, it's even on his radar, right? <laughs> and so I build this like blue white, not blue white, green white Titania song deck. <laughs> you know, it's just mana rocks and like, of course, disenchants and you know the obvious white cards and green cards. But T- Titania song with the big artifacts was the was the play. And I, I, I have a vivid memory of the first time I played to play the Titania song against him. He's like, "Hang on." <laughs> You mean now? You mean now I have to think about combat math? <laughs> so we sat there attacking with our three threes at each other for a couple of turns. <laughs> it's great because because it, like all the decks that will rely on their artifact, their non-creature artifacts, to do something interesting, it just they're just like, wait a minute, now what do I have to do? <laughs> I mean, I've 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 used that card and beat people with a chaos orb. It's like. Still attacks for two under Titania's song. <laughs> and, and, and that was an evolution of our metagame, right? And now, now we've got this deck to deal with. <laughs> and so, 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 so back to the drawing board. Okay, and then next week when we come in before Legacy, we're like, all right, let's try. I've got a new version of this deck to try. <laughs> so there was, there was an evolution early, early on when, it was, when there was just a handful of us playing. But I think that was, that feels like a very old school magic kind of thing where, where you have your, Everyone kind of has their deck that they play. And every once in a while, someone comes along and sh- shakes it up, and then it's a good fun. There's two things. I think one, there's obviously a bit of tradition behind it, at least on my side. Like this is the way that you know the people who came up with this format intended it to be played. I don't know. And then there's also the, the fact that like, you know, the, the, the guys that I saw for the very first time playing Magic the Gathering were were doing it at a pizza hut in Seattle, drinking beer and eating pizza and playing on that table. And and that's because that's just that's just the way that you know that Richard Garfield intended the game to be played. He just wanted it to be something that you you know, it was supposed to be played in between you know, sessions of D and D or, or while you're at a convention waiting for the next thing to happen, like you just sit down on the floor and play a quick game of magic. Like it, it wasn't supposed to be this hyper formalized rule enforcement level prize ticket winning fucking, you know, round four, 50 minutes, time is up six turns left type of shit. It was supposed to be just, Hey, you want to play a game of magic? And there was no, that was it. We didn't have to go any further than that. And I think the pub, you know, however you want to look at it, whatever, whatever that, whatever the, you know, the pub might be to you, um, provides that backdrop of like, you can't be too serious about it if you're playing at a pub, you know, <laughs> like, like you, you know, you're, you're like, you're sitting at a, at a bar somewhere, you know, at a table, it's dimly lit, you're playing old magic cards. I mean, are you going to really going to get mad if, you know, if somebody misses, or does something wrong like you know like who gives a shit it's just it's, you're enjoying the game and you're and frankly you're enjoying the 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 person that you're hanging out with like that's been obviously that's been the biggest thing if we would have met at a game store playing magic the gathering in its contemporaneous form i very much doubt that we would <clears throat> you know like hang out with each other on, on the casual level that we do like you know i think i think it would be different I feel like the Desert Twisters, like, 
we don't have a whole lot of really competitive players. Like, they're good players, but the mindset of the way we play Magic is less competitive than other groups. You know, it is more of a social experience. We're, we're there to just play. If I had more time, I would try out some of the more fringe old school formats like seven point singleton or I don't know, hundred card singleton. Like I don't I don't know what some of the formats are, but I wouldn't mind trying out uh, some of the the different twists on the old school format. So for example, there was a tournament uh, this past weekend or this upcoming weekend in Nashville, I believe, where it's the old school card pool, but you get to go all the way up through alliances for, for cards. Those those twists on the established card pools are, are kind of neat. They open up they open up bigger spaces for brewing and really get your creative juices flowing. Hi, PJ Mealy is one of the Desert Twisters, longtime old school player. I, I think if you got rid of Fallen Empires, that opens up so much more room for playing wacky off the wall decks that just don't have a chance when you're facing down additional pop knights and hymns and things of that nature. Uh, but certainly Arabian Nights has some super powerful cards, and, uh, specifically Serendib Afrit, uh, Jews and Jinn, those are just very, very aggressively costed creatures compared to the rest of the card pool. And as long as those are legal and played, that kind of shuts out a lot of the other creatures that wouldn't necessarily get a chance to shine. Things like Two-Headed Giant of Forest, for example, just never sees play because why would you play that when you've got these other options? It's great to have all these formats and it's exciting to see all the creativity there, but I think that the formats are just there unless people get to play it. <laughs> and so you've got to incentivize people to play it somehow. And so we got to host an event that, that, that runs it, you know, it, it, it comes down to that. Cause otherwise people were just like, Oh yeah, that's cool. And the theory crafts and decks and come up with some ideas, but gosh, it'd be more fun to, you know, run an event, host something and say, Oh, for this tournament, we're going to do. And I, and I mean, groups are doing that. Um, but it's a matter of like, which ones will actually stick around, be it whether, you know, they may, are they, is it, are they fun? I think so. I absolutely would love playing one-off tournaments where there's a select group of cards from not just Arabian Nights, but maybe the core sets that are just not allowed. Uh, for example, the the rotating uh, card pool in the 1.5 format that the that's popular on the West Coast. That is a really cool format where at any given time they've got a, a set of cards that are just banned, so you brew without them. That's that's a really interesting idea. I don't know how long they've been doing it. They had a tournament at Chalice, and uh, I got into it, and I thought, wow, that's really neat. For that particular event, a lot of the the base cards that you just automatically include were banned. So I, if I remember right, Swords to Plowshares was banned. 
for example. Yeah, it, it, it opens up a lot of space for brewing decks using cards that you don't normally think about. Yeah, I think in old school, it's it's just a, a function of the limited card pool and kind of that natural tendency to, to solve the formats with, you know, the most powerful decks. And, um, you know, I think there's the, <clears throat> what do they call those? The psychographics or whatever that the uh, Mark Rosewater is always talking about. You know, there's the Spikes and the Johnnies or whoever. And the people that are going to solve the format for power's sake are, are always going to be there. And uh, so I think it's the the rest of us that are just kind of, um, you know, you want to play different things and you want to encourage um, like better gameplay with cards that you might not, you know, might be overlooked in other other um, kind of formats. So I think it's it's better um, just to keep things fresh and to, to give new perspective on different cards and interactions. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the big, um, like one of the best things about old school is just that there are so many different formats and, and you can find so many people that are interested in in playing and trying different things and just uh, getting together to play. And it's not just, you know, sitting down at, at your LGS with your EDH deck and having that, you know, conversation about deck power and, uh, you know, and then everybody getting salty because you play a certain card and, you know. I think the world just, the world of magic just needs more TOs. <laughs> more, more people running a tournament and saying, okay, here, here's, here, here's, here are the rules and see what, you know, just to see what people can come up with. Cause that was, that mono green in the woods tournament was kind of fun. I, I called it a tournament there, but it wasn't, it was more of a side event. <laughs> Which, and I think maybe that, that, that speaks to the creativity of old school magic players, though. You know, you get, like, there's, all, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can, you can approach the same, the same thing. But everyone, everyone kind of decides what they, what they think is going to be fun about it, and then they play to that. And that's something, that's something that I, I didn't see a lot of as much of when I was playing competitively, where you know, the, the goal is to win the tournament, right? But in old school, like, there's, a, there's more than one way to win. <laughs> You know, you can win by doing the thing that you want to do. You know, you, you, you may not have won all of your matches, but you came up with some other way to win in a way that is valuable to you as the player, but was also, you know, can be entertaining for other players around you. If you get the chance to play some of these other formats where they add sets or they ban certain cards, then you get to play with you you are encouraged to play with cards that aren't normally played in decks so it feels at that point that the format is kind of new or is infused with fresh blood just by the absence or addition of certain cards but otherwise yeah i i think it's fine it's part of the charm Um, I think the upside is that you don't have the problem of magic today where sets are coming out so fast you don't have time to really not even learn the 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 power level of the cards but um, just to kind of build that uh, nostalgia I think the magic's probably going to have a problem later on that you know 
people don't really have any connection to the cards that are coming out anymore. But I think the, the main drawback is just that you kind of get that stagnant um, format. And uh, if you don't have a real push to keep things fresh with new formats or, you know, different, uh, different takes and different, uh, um, I don't know, goals, then it's going to be just kind of going to stagnate and possibly go away. If there's one objective that I have with old magic cards and our group and the community as a whole is that I'm trying to, I'm trying to constantly keep people stoked, like to keep, to keep us from like running into that, into that inevitable sort of dead end. Like you don't have to, you don't have to go down that, that road, you know, you know that road ends and you know where it ends and you can walk down that path and, and go to the end of this format and, and, and just kind of bang your head against the wall and be angry that people are playing shops in the deck and, you know, uh, a tog or whatever, or you can, you can look at this box of alpha cards that you have like Joseph and go, how, how can I, how can I have a good time with this random collection of alpha cards that I have. Like, what could I do with this? Oh, I could, I could just split it up into commons, uncommons and rares and like do like a weird, you know, kitchen table draft with my friend Justin and over beers and then go play at the pool with these, with these cards. And that's, I think for me, that's how, how I, I stay involved is that I get excited about something. Maybe I'm a little too excitable and I, you know, I'm like, hey, let's all let's all try this, you know, and we all play that for a while. And then, you know, someone else has an like, hey, you should play this. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go play that, you know. There, there's a limit to that, though, right? I mean, with old school, there's only so many cards you can play. <laughs> like, but we're, we're maybe the novelty... Maybe it's not like novelty within within familiar components. Like we know we know the old school card pool, and we know like this era of magic, and so. But even within that, there's a lot of creativity that that you come up with. And I think maybe maybe that's like you've you've got this this sub game of magic. It's just old school magic, and within that, you have all this other all this other stuff you can come come up with. Like it's it's not completely explored, you know. We are the stewards of a format that has never been more alive and never been more in need of both our care and attention. Although the assumption of power has been a given, let us consider a softer world where it is just an option. A world where the few cards you've never played cease to be systematic absences and finally get their moment in the sun. There is a yearning for novelty that I believe is easily met without compromising our shared dream, if only there is the will. Special thanks to JJ, Wadi, Muhammad, Justin, Joseph, PJ, Chris, and of course, Eric, making this podcast possible. 
In order, music sampled under the Fair Use Doctrine was Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band, Boogaloo Down Broadway by the fantastic Johnny C., Let Me Alone by Moo, Long in the Tooth and Gunmetal Gray by the Budos Band, Bittersweet by Basket T, Let Forever Be by the Chemical Brothers, Quintuple Rainbows by Say Hi, New Orleans Instrumental No. 1 by R.E.M., and Banned from Living by Gloom Cult. enjoyed the episode if you want to submit uh, an episode just reach out to me on discord or on twitter and i'll get you on here all right bye